0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In March, many St. Louis leaders were celebrating a new level of regional collaboration around public transportation. Bi-State Development President and CEO Tolby Roach came on this show to talk about the new security strategies to boost metro transit ridership. But within a week or two of that visit, everything changed for Bi-State. Now the transit agency is asking people to stay home and, and stay off transit if possible. So joining us today to talk about the new reality for public transit in the region is Talby Roach. Talby, welcome to the show.
1: Good afternoon, Sarah. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Talby, so much has changed since you and I last spoke. I can't believe that was only like a month or a little more than a month ago. And public transit systems really seem to be in such a no-win situation right now. It seems like the workers most likely to ride public transit. They're the ones that have to go to work. But having people in close quarters really puts them at risk. Do you feel like you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place right now?
1: Well, I think everybody feels they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Quite frankly, we are just like everybody else in the community. This is a daunting ad- adversary and we're doing our best to fight it. Um, but you know what we need to do is we need to pick ourselves up and do the best we can we can and we're going to take every measure we can to try to assure health and still move folks around the city.
0: It must feel weird, though, to be in a a position where for the first time, and I I imagine a long time in your career, you're not trying to boost ridership.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. We're not trying to boost ridership as we are trying to emphasize, look, stay home, save lives, essential trips only. But remember, so we're actually going to go through a, a tuning in our system on Monday Because, believe it or not, on some essential routes, so some of the larger crosstown routes like a Grand or a Kings Highway or even the Hazelwood 100, those are the essential workers who are going to, for instance, food distribution centers and to grocery stores and to the large health centers, and they still need to get there. Mm -hmm. They are the essential people, and we still need to provide that service. So we are shifting our service so that we can add buses actually to those routes so that folks. Folks have more space between them so that um, we're just providing the kind of service that in this very unique in very unique times is being asked for.
0: So those buses, uh, those routes have remained pretty crowded at this point.
1: Yes. I mean, it's been extraordinary. There's been a few um, situations where we have had level to even slight increases at certain times of the day. And Mm -hmm. of course, it behooves us to put more service out there so that folks can find distance. And of course, then ask the general public, look, if you don't have to be out on the system, please stay home. We still need to move the essential folks around.
0: So you talk about adding buses, and that does seem like a great idea. You know, these are people who have to get to work and and they obviously are relying on you to get them there. But at the same time, that means you need more drivers. Is that a problem at this point um, when so many people are worried about getting sick?
1: Well sure, there's a lot of pressure on our system and you know it's our drivers who are you know the real heroes here who are still showing up to those shifts at four thirty a m who are who are out there doing everything that they can to still provide service and my obligation is to provide as many tools as we can to be sure that they're as healthy as they can be and as a note since march the twenty third we have been testing 100% of our employees before they actually even get into the facilities. Hmm. So out in the parking lots, we're doing temperature screenings and other health checks just as a measure. We're providing PPE, so masks and gloves for our drivers. We're fighting across the country to try to get those supplies in place so that we give the drivers the things that they need to do their job.
0: If you're listening to this conversation, we want to hear from you. How has your bus or train commute been impacted by the pandemic we find ourselves in? And what do you think this pandemic could mean for public transit in the U.S.? Give us a call at 314 382 8255. That's 382 TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at STLpublicradio.org. And if you have questions in particular for Tolby Roach, we'll, we'll be happy to take those. Um, Now, Talby, earlier this month, we all got the sad news that one of Metro's own bus drivers had succumbed to COVID-19. And and I'm sure that was just devastating for everybody at the agency. Are you worried there could be more to come?
1: Well, of course, I'm... uh... Again, this is. Uh, it seems that even with every measure that we take, um, you know, our adversary is still working against us. Um, but all we can do is take every measure that we can. If there are any ideas. That will come from both my writers and from my operators. We're doing anything innovative that we can to try to do better and, you know, really kind of honor the legacy of of an operator like Dennis Wallace, who worked for us for 10 years, a dedicated employee um, who provided service to the community. And unfortunately, it's impacted us. And, yes, it's rough.
0: I was shocked to see, I guess, in New York City, um, as of last week, a total of 50 transit workers there had died. I guess that's more than triple the combined mortality rates among New York City police and and fire departments. What is it you think that makes transit workers so vulnerable right now to this?
1: Gosh, I think it's a combination of of factors, and it it certainly could um, be—look, I've certainly been— simply floored at some of the data having to do with the impacts to the African-American community. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we certainly have to pay attention to that. And, you know, I would say that uh, a a large percentage of my drivers are uh, African-American and they are of that um, group and there have been uh, larger effects on on them. Um, I don't know what those are, but my gosh, anybody, looking at public policy in, in either St. Louis or New York, we need to see what, what are the reasons for this and so that we can take action. My job is to take whatever actions that I can. We're trying to do everything we can and try to find those partnerships, partnerships with ATU, partnerships with our operator core to try to protect them as best we can. I owe them every measure that I can put out, and we're going to try to do our best to do that.
0: Now, we're talking to Bi-State CEO uh, Tolby Roach. And earlier this week, our producer Evie Hemphill spoke with Mia King. That's a union rep with SEIU Local One. That union represents 50,000 janitors, security officers, higher ed faculty, transit workers, and others across the Midwest. And Mia specifically represents bus drivers who work with Madison County Transit. And just to be clear, that's a separate transit authority. It serves parts of our region. It is not under Tolby Roach's directive. But she told us how the steps being taken there there are not enough to protect the drivers that she works with. Let's listen to that.
2: The social distancing guidelines are not being adhered to on these buses. They're still driving buses with full loads of people, and that's a major concern for the drivers. The PPE, they're, they're not giving getting the adequate amount of supplies that they need to carry them through a day because they're actually wiping down the buses throughout the day, and sometimes they may run out of, sanitizing whites and have to wait for someone to bring them more whites, and they're not being given um, masks. They, they're they given like one mask per week, and that's just not acceptable.
0: And union rep Mia King um, explained how Metro County transit drivers are feeling.
2: It, it's just a, a constant wave of anxiety that they that, that they feel right now. You know, every single day, they're They're going, driving these buses, like I said, they're overcrowded, without PPE, passengers don't have, you know, um, masks and gloves on. So it's just an automatic sense of anxiety for them with every passenger that comes on the bus.
0: And that's Mia King. She's a union rep with SEIU Local One, which represents um, transit workers as part of Madison County Transit. Again, not part of By state development. Uh, but, Talby, when we talked to uh, the Metro's union president a couple weeks ago, he did share many of these same concerns. You said you have personal protective equipment for these frontline people, drivers in particular, I'm thinking of, what does that look like? Is there enough where they can change those masks uh, when they need to? Or are you having to, to stick with a pretty limited supply for now?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that supplies are not limited and we're not fighting every day to try to um, get those, as many of my colleagues are. But we have been pretty successful in in obtaining uh both masks and gloves the the first issue that we did and we did weeks ago was the operators asked for gloves so we went out and got gloves first and then as the pandemic has has moved forward. We have added to that and now we have masks in place and we we are providing essentially what are a KN95 masks, so not the high-grade medical. Those need to be reserved to the doctors and nurses. But this is another gradient than just below that Mm -hmm. that is a good effective mask that can be worn multiple days. We we have criteria in there to try to protect the mask so it can be uh, Worn, you know, from two to three days, but we have supplies in place and we are distributing them. Um, but look, uh, who wouldn't um, have some anxiety during uh, this pandemic? I th- it's reasonable. It's reasonable that pre- uh, President Re- Reggie Howard has, of course, pushed me to try to come up with solutions. We've found the ATU to be a good partner, they're representing their folks, um, and I need to be responsive and do everything that we can within reason. But of course, all of us are scrambling in a very tough situation. And as a matter of fact, our service change on April the 20th is one of those things that we can do, adjust service, put service where it is appropriate so that we try to pull those load levels down on those on those larger routes. Uh, the numbers are the numbers. But what we need to do is react to them, be sure that we're making the tuning and, and uh, to the systems so that it is appropriate for what the need is.
0: And you've been talking a bit about that April 20th um, change, mm-hmm. so you, you can increase uh, the number of buses on these lines that are very heavily used. Will there be other changes as a part of that?
1: Yeah, so of course, some of the some of the smaller, more local neighborhood routes. There's a few of those where we'll be pairing back service mm-hmm. now. Most of our ridership numbers through those have shown through the effects of COVID that some of those local routes have moved way, way down in ridership, and we'll be we'll be replacing some of that with some on-demand type partnerships that we have, and supplementing that with our call-a-ride options. Um, But there's no question what we're doing is shifting these resources. I will definitely say um, there's no question, Sarah, that today's paradigm of what's being asked for as far as service is different than it was March the 1st. Mm -hmm. So what our job is is to listen to all these voices, even the the critics, be sure that we're listening and do our best to adjust. Now I'm always going to listen. I can't do everything for everybody, but if we listen carefully and try to see what is possible, be sure that we pursue that possibility and do our best to make the city better.
0: Well, so in terms of critics, uh, the St. Louis Economic Justice Coalition actually started an online petition to ask that you end fare enforcement during the pandemic. And I understand you've stopped collecting fares or checking tickets aboard metro buses, but still have fare enforcement in place on the train system. Why the one and not the other?
1: Well, quite frankly, this is one of the moves we made in conjunction and being kind of reactive to uh, reducing the risk for our operators. And, for instance, on the buses, there's a lot of hand-to-hand exchanges with cash and transfers, so, of course, eliminating that, Eliminated a vector for communication of the of the of a infection, and so we took that off to try to lessen the risk to our operators. Now we don't do that on MetroLink because, quite frankly, you can use a machine, and there's not as much hand-to-hand interaction. But remember, there's balance to all of these things. And for instance, I can show you, um, because we review incidents and trying to to always reduce any kind of conflict between operators and customers and so on. And we've also had problems with, for instance, now that the bus system, uh, we're not collecting cash where we've had loop riding and problems with behavior incidents on the train. Well, of course, I don't want the drivers to have to deal with that. I want to lessen their risk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's always that hard balance, uh, a fundamental behavior economics balance, and it's a hard uh, question to always ask ourselves, and I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do that in respect to, for instance, the opinions of our operators who are out there every day and the opinions, of course, of our ridership. Sometimes those are uh, aligned, and sometimes they're not.
0: hmm So maybe the St. Louis Economic Justice Coalition isn't really speaking for the operators of these trains.
1: Well, I mean, maybe not, but I, I, I know that I need to listen to all of those voices. And I listen to all those voices and consult, of course, with my board of commissioners and, of course, with my, my electeds. And we go through these poly, very daunting policy questions and try to do our best. You know, I'm trying to do this in kind of a balance with what is overall health. You know, for instance, if if I were to increase, for instance, my screening so high that I was unable to get a workforce to show up, then, of course, I would have loads on buses, which would then be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So you see there's a balance between these policies. If I'm too stringent on, um, on on getting my workforce out and I'm not able to put service out, then, of course, then we have excess loading on, on a bus route. So remember, these policies need to be seen in, in balance with one another. Tr- we're trying our best to do that. We've had a lot of help from individuals and and. I accept all those critiques. I think they're perfectly fine, and a lot of them are based in some fundamental facts. Um, We need to look at those facts within the context of other policy effects
0: one question I wanted to make sure to get to today, and that is, what is the policy on people wearing masks on trains and buses? Is that something that that people are allowed to do if they're trying to protect others from their own uh, spit?
2: (laughs) Sure, (laughs) Not to put
0: too fine a point on it. (laughs) No,
1: no, that's, that's as fine a point as it gets. That's fine. So we are actually now going to ask just as a measure of community courtesy, we are going to ask our customers actually to wear masks. Mm. So when they're accessing a public system, maybe this is a good measure for us all to take as a community to try to make it a little safer. So we're going to ask as a courtesy to our customers to wear a mask when accessing the system, both for their safety and for the safety of our operators. So we are making that request.
0: And you say you're framing it as a request. This isn't going to be a requirement, but you're strongly urging, you're hopeful?
1: <laughs> Correct. So, you know, uh, again, I I want to, what I am shooting for is compliance, okay? So, in a spirit of we're a community working together to make things better. And you know, the way, I think, to try to do it in a courteous way to have everybody understand what we're doing in a transit neighborhood and how we're trying to make it better, I think, uh, the best way to do that is just to ask and also let everybody know what our motivation is. Our motivation is to making you safer, our operators safer. And that's the fundamental principle.
0: Hmm. Well, that sounds like the one thing we can all agree on here. So, <laughs> Talvi Roach, I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Of course, Sarah. Anytime. And thank you.
0: And Talvi again, is the CEO and president of Bi-State Development, which runs the transit in the greater St. Louis area. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's ninety. Seven KWNU.